Caleb, we right? You happy with that? Yeah. Yep, my readings are going through. The first one is up. So how do I switch it off? A little bit ringy there. A little bit ringy. Ringy, ringy, ringy. Hello, one, two. I need... We've got a few things to pray for and a, a few things to be thankful for. A couple of weeks' time, we're going to be uh, celebrating as a church. Uh, where's Ian? Ian's there. His wife's Kerry next door is just looking after the young people and sowing generationally into them, and that's fantastic. But um, what, what number are you guys up to? 25 years married in a couple of weeks' time, and that, that's just fantastic. That's longer than some of you guys have been alive. And uh, that's, that's wonderful. And, and so what we're going to be doing is after church in two weeks' time, we're going to be celebrating together as a community. So they just, just declare their vows again and celebrate the blessing. So on the 25th, what we're going to do is um, do church, have morning tea for a little while. Then if you'd like to celebrate with Ian and Kerry, we just invite you in and as we do that as family in this place. And um, this morning we've got the privilege of our founding pastor, Pastor Bruce, um, sharing a message. And he'll be leading them through in that while I take holidays. And as I said that to people this morning, people are happy that I'm taking holidays. Don't you like my preaching? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're over. You haven't even been here. Come on, mate. (laughs) Amen. But um, there's been stuff happening and uh, we're going to be gathering as as a leadership next week with uh, life group leaders and elders. Just respond to some of the things just in Jesus that God's doing after church. But let's just at the moment, if you're in this place and you've got a, a need uh, we just want to want to pray for you for a moment. Maybe some people around you would lay hands. We're going to be praying for the herds continually, for Cindy, and uh, just for peace of mind and continued support in, in Cindy's life. We've been getting some good reports back as, as surgeries continued there. Um, for those that are unaware, Cole Fitzell came home yesterday and um, continued. Yeah, that's an amazing. That is just God yeah, moving there, and, and uh, so that's fantastic. And, and so we need to keep upholding. Um, Colin, Chris, and the whole family there just for God's peace in them. And it's fantastic to have Mike and Anne back in the house as well. I trust you guys have had a good time in Canada and I'm probably shocked by the temperature a little bit um, coming back. Yeah, yeah. But um, praying for Olivia, um, who's eight, who's coping with chemo, but um, increases dosage soon. And so we need to pray for them. And Helen Vandermeer started her chemo treatment this week. And um, she's doing, oh, you're here. Yes, can we pray for you as well? Doing, you're, you're in the house, that is wonderful. But um, we just want to keep loving on, on Helen and Jim and, and praying for them as well. And I might not have listed you this morning, but there's things going on in your world as well. So if you're here and you need, just need God's intervention, why don't you just lift your hands to heaven and just say, let's include me in that prayer um, today as well. Father, we're just grateful that you are a God of intervention. You're a God of intervention. And, and you know, actually, before we pray, Lise. Lise sent me an email. I don't even think she realized I got it last night. Now, you've been praying for one of your co-workers. They're, they're pregnant. Her cousin's pregnant, and the first scan revealed that the baby had, like, club feet and crystalline heart and everything in there. And so 
uh, as Lisa's been doing, she's just been sharing Jesus with this person, and, and they came up and asked her, can you just pray? And so they prayed and, and just released God, just knowing that this is in the too hard for us basket and possible for Jesus basket. And um, then they came up to Lisa the other day and just mentioned, hey, new scan came through, baby is healthy, a little bit of crystal on the heart. And, uh, and so now the prayer is that they would connect healthy baby to Jesus and make that connection. And um, so you're believing this morning, the same God that healed that baby is here to move in your life. So Father, we just release right now your heaven, your kingdom over us in Jesus' name. We just receive from you, Dad, Lord, your gifts and your hope and your healing, Lord. And we just lift Cindy and, and the herds to you and just ask your peace and comfort around them. But Lord, also your continued healing. Cancer cannot come back in Jesus' name over hell. And we just release life on her body and just declare cancer gone and just life in every cell in that body in, in Jesus' name. For Cole, we just speak to his body wholeness and healing that there will be a, a completion of the work going on inside. For baby Olivia, Lord, for little Olivia, we just speak wholeness and life into those cells in the name of Jesus. And Lord, whatever the needs are in front, Lord, you know, so we just release the kingdom of God into these needs in Jesus' name. And we just speak backs whole, minds whole, spirits whole, bodies whole, finances restored, Lord. Where we have been robbed, we just come and just claim back a restoration, but also over our family right now here in this church. We just declare your protection. We just declare that your protection. And in Jesus' name, we just rebuke the plans of the enemy. And we do not receive what he's doing, but we just cancel them null and void in the name of Jesus, as we just join faith together. Lord, you are protecting us. And Lord, we just receive that, Lord, your protection from our front, back, left, and right. Lord, we just thank you that your plans for us are good. And we just line up with that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, why don't we welcome Pastor Bruce as he comes to share the word with us this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray first. Dear Father, on this day we come before your throne of grace to say just this one thing for this day. We thank you that we are no longer slaves to sin, as Paul said. Yes, we are no longer slaves to fear, but most assuredly we are no longer slaves to sin, as Paul said, and that we're saved from sin by grace through faith. Lord, just bless us this morning as we share your word in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, Washed in his blood, this is my story. Well, I hope it's your story. I, I, I want to ask you, is it your story? Is that your story today? Hebrews 10.22 says this. Ah, there it is. Oh! Let us draw near to God with sincere hearts and with full assurance, the full assurance that faith brings. I'm going to talk about full assurance today because, uh, well, I can't remember ever 
specifically preaching a message on this. You know, Paul was in prison, chained to another soldier, and, and another soldier turned up one day with some news, uh, some bad news and then some slightly better news. The bad news was that his time had come and his execution date had been set. Slightly better news was that he would not be thrown to the lions but would rather be executed by the sword. And this is what he said in 2 Corinthians as he prepared for that moment. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day and not only me but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Now, friends, I'll tell you what that is. That is assurance. When you're facing death, that is some kind of assurance. And then in the first chapter of 2 Timothy, he said this. He said, I know in whom I've believed. And I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. I hope when my moment comes, I will have such full assurance when the time comes. Sadly, or, or more correctly, the early church in the first years had that kind of assurance. I tell you something, we wouldn't be here today if they didn't. They were martyred, they were slaughtered, they gave up their lives because they believed in something. They believed that they knew that they knew that they knew. I know that I know that I know where I'll be a hundred years from now. And very sadly, the church fell away from that. And 1,500 years later, tragically, you could buy your way into heaven. You could buy an indulgence. You could do this and do this. And they lost sight of the assurance that Paul had. It was really sad. And, uh, and then uh, some people throughout Europe during the 14th century began to say, well, hang on a minute. I, I, I know whom I believe in, like Paul. They jailed them. They executed them. Then one day a monk named Martin Luther in 1525 was in Rome trying to earn some brownie points. He was crawling up the Spanish steps. Who's been to Rome? You've seen the Spanish steps? So he's crawling up the Spanish steps. He's praying fervently for all his miserable rotten sin and all the rest of it. And he's crawling up and all of a sudden he leaps to his feet and he says, Oh! The just shall live by faith. Everybody say by. This is really important that you understand that little word by there. And in Romans 1.17 that he was quoting, it says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So began the Reformation. And here we are today. We are the product of that early movement 500 years ago. Over the years, we've taken David Pawson's little dictum and I've modified it and shaped it into what I call the seven prepositions that are the propositions of salvation. That we are saved, and this is so important, we are saved from 
sin after repentance. By grace, through, everybody say through, through faith, with assurance to holiness and forever. And those seven have to be taken together. You can't grab one little one out of there and live by that as though it's the be-all and end-all. And sadly today, that's what many people are doing. They're not living by those seven key principles of our faith. They have to be taken together. Let me take, for example, Ephesians 2.8 from the Living Bible. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. That faith there is a gift of God. We talked about that, Scotty, Pastor Scott talked about it a few weeks ago, and I'll come back to that. Now notice what it says. It says, by grace you are saved, everybody say, through faith. But in Romans 1.17, it says, the just shall live by faith. Two little prepositions, by and through. And they're both different, and they both mean something different. And I'm talking about full assurance. You know, if, if our salvation depended on by faith, then you would say, well, hang on a second, how much faith do I have to have? Remember Paul talked about us having a measure of faith? So do those who have more faith, are they more saved than someone else? You see, it's not by faith, it's through faith. That's what it says, we're saved through faith. And when we're talking about being saved through faith, we're talking about justification. We're talking about justifying faith or justifying grace. We're talking about the faith that we all have when we get saved, given to us actually by God and by the Holy Spirit. In Romans it says, the just shall live by faith. That's the difference. When we're talking about, and elsewhere in Galatians 2.20, it says, I don't know whether I put that reading in, uh, but it says in Galatians 2.20, we walk by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. So on the one hand, to be saved through faith is justifying faith, justifying grace, whereby we are saved, past tense, and when we walk by faith, run by faith or whatever, it is sanctifying grace. Those who have done an Emmaus walk know exactly what I'm talking about. Justifying grace followed by sanctifying grace, whereby we walk. We walk by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. So sanctifying grace. Let me give you Ephesians 2.8 from the Living Bible because this is quite good. It's a reminder to us of a very important part of justifying salvation or justifying grace through faith. Uh, Ephesians 2.8, because of his kindness, you have been saved through trusting Christ. And even trusting is not of yourselves, it too is a gift of God. So there you have it. Uh, you know, the faith we have for salvation comes by the Holy Spirit to us. We receive that faith that trust as a gift. Um, so, so justifying grace is through faith. Sanctifying grace is walking, running, running the race mark for us by faith. And Pastor Scott was talking about that a, a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the man, you know, the disciples came down from the mountain, right? 
and uh, the disciples have been trying to heal this fellow who had an evil spirit. Uh, and, and the father of the man said, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief, which I've turned around over the years and constantly in my life I pray this prayer, Lord, I believe. Help me believe more. I tell you what, if my salvation was by faith, I'm in trouble. You with me? Because I don't have enough. I want more. But it's not. It's through faith. Faith that is a gift that quantifies you and qualifies you for eternal salvation because you trust Jesus to take away your sin. That's what justifying uh, faith is. I asked a lady once, it was in Townsville, it was an altar call, and uh, we often used to do this, still do it. Uh, I asked her, was she saved? And she said, now listen to this carefully, she said, I hope so. And then I said, well, are you going to heaven? She said, I hope so. And uh, for today's purposes, that takes me to Hebrews chapter 1, which is the great passage where we have the definition of faith. And I love the Living Bibles uh, uh, translation of this, which is on your screen. What is faith? Listen to this. It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It's the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. And so the lady's statement, and anybody in this church's statement that says, I hope so, is not full assurance, is it? It is definitely not full assurance. It shouldn't be, I hope so. It should be, I know so. Because Paul said, I know in whom I've believed. My salvation has nothing to do with me and everything to do with him and what he's done for me on the cross. So that I am saved through faith, a faith that comes as a gift in what Jesus did on the cross for me. How do I know I'm saved? I remember doing this with this lady, particularly and others, because someone showed me this. Listen, how do I know I'm saved? First of all, it's not what's in your head. You know, we do head, heart, hands. Everybody go head, heart, hands. See, it's not what's in your head alone, though that's part of it. It's not what's in your heart, your feelings, though that's part of it. It's not what you do, all the works and things you do, though that's part of it. It's all three, but it's even more than that. How do I know I'm saved? It's in the Bible. I was... uh, I've actually got in my notes a line, and this morning, to test the keyboard, Dave starts playing it. Oh, yes. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. How do you know you're saved? Not how much is here, not how you feel, not what you do. The Bible says so. (coughs) We could spend all day here going through scriptures and putting them up there that have to do with your eternal salvation. And I can't put them all up this morning. I can just put up a few. (coughs) We are not saved by anything other than God's grace and favour. But, but, there are some parts of it that we have to be involved in. That reminds me of three issues that I want to share with you. 
And the first, I know I've talked about this before. I promised you last time, I'll t- tell you every time because I will not give up for the rest of my time on this earth. I'll keep on telling you this. I want to talk first of all about the overassured. You know who they are? They're all the people who think if they're good enough, that'll be enough. They're all the people in Australia who have funerals. They say, oh, he's up there looking down. Because they believe if you're a good person, you'll get to heaven. But we know the Bible says good enough is not enough. I hope you're all using that little phrase out there. Good enough is not enough. And we're not being good to get to heaven. We are good because we are going to heaven. See, that through faith, justifying grace comes first, followed by sanctifying grace so that I walk by faith comes after in which we're called, by the way, to holiness and forever. And we're saved, Father, Son, uh, sorry, we're saved for holiness, not by holiness. And the church has made mistakes in that area uh, over a long period of time. And I won't say any more about that other than for you to understand there are people who are over-assured, and there may be some here today. If you think by being good you'll get to heaven, sorry, you're wrong. Jesus said, no one is good but God. Anyway, I'll start getting launched on that sermon. That's another message. The second group of people are the underassured. And I've had them. And I've had them in this church, by the way. Someone who says, I'm just so bad. There's some just some terrible things I've done in my life and I just can't believe that God would ever forgive me. Yeah, I've done this or that. I've been unfaithful to my wife or whatever. You know, Paul, Paul was extraordinary. Imagine, for example, you're sitting in a service in Damascus or somewhere with Paul preaching and he's the guy that had your father executed. See, Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. That's what he said. And you and I, none of us, he said, I've done dreadful things. And this is what he said in Ephesians Uh, Sorry, Philippians chapter 3. And he's talking about perfection. He says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, everybody join me in these words, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And if you're here today and you're troubled by stuff in your past, listen, take Paul's position, forget it. It's been cast in the sea of God's forgetfulness It's remembered no more. And if he doesn't know about it, why should you keep holding on to it? Forget it. And there are people in the church and elsewhere who are underassured and feel like they're just not good enough. It's got nothing to do with how good you are. It's got everything to do with how good Jesus is. And he's perfect. And he's the perfect lamb. And I've preached on that before too. Where am I up to? I was amazed this week that uh, I decided to preach on Blessed Assurance. Uh, We got the band organised to sing it later, as we're going to do. We're going to stand and have a ball. Uh, 
And, and there's Bill Muhlenberg coming out this week. How many of you people watch Culture Watch? <laughs> Dudley and Joan and me. Well, go on the website, Culture Watch with Bill Newmanberg. You should all be reading it. Facebook. And he went back to a little thing I've used for 25 years of ministry, past, present and future. See, in the past, we are saved <coughs> from penalty and judgment. That is justifying grace, justifying faith in our past. It's all done and dusted, folks, once you've come to Jesus and once you have understood you are saved from sin after repentance by grace through faith. And he said that. And then he talks about the present, which I've, I've talked about exactly the same thing for years. But in the present, it is sanctifying grace. See? We're being, uh, uh, it, it's the faith, it's the by faith thing that we've been talking about as we walk by faith. And in the present, we are being saved from the power of sin. And as I mentioned you know, we sang this morning, no longer slaves to fear. I wish they'd changed the word fear to sin because that's what Paul preached. He said, we're no longer slaves to sin, uh, which I think is, is a wonderful thing to, to take hold of. So that's sanctifying grace. And in the future, of course, it's glorification. Jesus was raised up to the Father, glorified uh, to the right hand of the Father, and one day we also will be glorified with him and will be free from the presence of sin and will be made perfect. That's the second problem, uh, the, the second uh, thing, and I come to the third one. So, so we're talking about, the, the first of all, the over-assured, then the under-assured, and now we come back to another area of over-assurance that Bill was talking about and which I wanted to address. And, and the over-assured belongs in an area of called hyper. He's called it hyper-grace. You know what, folks? We're in trouble. The kingdom is in trouble. Our nation's a mess. We're in moral decline and moral depravity. It's all, for, it's all foretold and prophesied in the Bible. We're losing our moral compass. But we need to understand what over-assurance in the area of hyper-grace is. You know, we're saved from sin. We're no longer slaves to sin. After repentance, by grace, through faith, with assurance to holiness and forever. And in Romans 6 verse 1, Paul addresses this. He says... Uh, I didn't put it in, I should have, but most of you know this scripture. He says, shall we therefore sin that grace may abound? What's the answer? What's his answer? By no means. And goes on to talk about the fact that once we are saved by grace through faith, he says you can no longer sin. You're no longer a slave to sin. Sin no longer reigns in your life, he says. And that reminds us that we are saved to holiness, saved to walk by faith, to holiness. Not by holiness, but to holiness. Can I just remind you of what I've taught you uh, over the years about repentance? Because repentance is a lot of things. Last time I preached on Trinity Sunday, 
You did the DVD thing, didn't you? How many... Oh, no, I better not ask. I, I would love to say, how many have used the DVD with your neighbour or something in the last six months? And I'd love you all to put your hands up. But because we live in a world that is in, in moral decay and losing its moral compass, a lot of people now do not even believe there's such a thing as sin. It's just how I live. And we're coming up to a time in our nation where we're going to have to confront this in a way that we've never confronted it before. And if you read the Bible, you'll notice in many places it's talking about what's going to happen in the last days with moral depravity and moral decay in society. We need to be sure as Christians that we don't allow ourselves to follow that track. So uh, repentance is, first of all, conviction. People need to be convicted that they're sinners. And a lot of people out there, sin? What sin? What are you talking about? You know, they've had 15 partners and some of them are not of the same gender. Confession, followed by confession. And then the most important part of repentance is contrition. Contrition is godly sorrow. We need to be so sorry for stuff happening in our lives that we want to get rid of it. We want to end it. And when we talk about living by faith, walking by faith, what we're talking about is living in a state of continuous repentance, a desire to put stuff behind us, a desire that says I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I want to get my life pressing on towards holiness in him. And finally, there is conversion, uh, meaning we leave behind whatever that sin or sins are in our lives. So in summary, your assurance of salvation is firstly and always based on your justifying grace through faith. That is, you know and understand that you have been saved from sin after repentance by grace through faith. And then in the present, we walk, we run the race marked out for us. We walk by faith. That's the difference between those two. Anybody not understanding that, the difference between through faith, justifying, and by faith, sanctifying? Okay. You know, Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, we ready with the music? Okay, good. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, he made this wonderful statement. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing with him in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attain resurrection from the dead. Now that little word somehow there is not a statement of doubt. It actually relates to what he speaks of elsewhere when he talks about the mystery of reconciliation. That's what he's talking about. Let me give you some examples of this. Somehow, a young girl, a virgin, conceives by the Holy Spirit and brings forth a little boy. Somehow. You with me? Anybody here know how? Answer? Somehow. 30 years later, that little boy has grown into a man. We find him hanging on a cross outside the Roman provincial uh, capital of Judea. And on that cross, he is bearing all, all of the sin of all history, past, present, and future, 
He's bearing my sin. And friend, he's bearing your sin. Somehow. (coughs) Three days later, somehow, his disciples turn up at his tomb. It's empty. Somehow. And somehow, he appears to his disciples in the upper room and in other places. Somehow. See, this is a mystery. And somehow, 40 days later, they're on a mountain and somehow he is raised up to glory. Somehow. And one day, friend, somehow, you yourself will come to your final moment and the bell will toll and you'll stand before the curtain. And if you understand clearly that you are saved, from sin, after repentance, by grace, through faith, you will be ready to cross over, cross the Jordan, and enter your eternal rest somehow. And then, friends, face to face, you will behold him.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, uh, we're going to sing Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Let's stand. And if you're one of those over-assured people this morning, you've been running on the idea that if you're good enough, that'll be enough, please come forward for prayer. If you're under-assured and you feel you're not good enough, then you just need to know Jesus loves you and he has already dealt with everything in your past. You come forward too. And if you're hyper-assured, that is you've been living on grace alone, and not understanding you need to live in a, in a state of repentance. There's stuff in your life you really want to get rid of and deal with. Come forward. As we sing this awesome song that so many of us grew up with, Billy Graham and all that, and Cliff Burrows, you know, this is my story. Let's do it. <laughs>